Ladies and gentlemen, Killer Cross has officially arrived. Doomsday is officially here. Killer Cross, now going by, of course, Carrion Cross in NXT, has arrived and he didn't come alone. He brought, of course, Scarlet Bordeaux. They are officially in NXT. TikTok, Kenny Omega, and Matt Hardy. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara put on one of the best street fights of all time. All this and more, guys, in a brand new episode of Drew Unscripted. Welcome, everyone. Let's get right into it, guys. Now, all week long, I knew that tonight's shows between Dynamite and NXT were going to be great. Just by the stuff that was advertised, you had you had about two championship matches on NXT. You had the world champion back on Dynamite and John Moxley, and you had Matt Hardy debuting, and then of course he had Killer Cross making his debut. I mean. This was going to be good television, man. This was going to be great stuff. And it definitely was. Let's get started with Dynamite, guys. Dynamite did have what it looked like to be a couple people back in the audience. Dynamite was, of course, live. It was back to being live. Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, and good old JR Jim Ross are officially back together. It was nice hearing Jim Ross back on Dynamite. By the way, I did watch two shoot interviews today on Jericho's podcast talk is Jericho obviously Jericho one of my idols when it comes to being a podcaster great interview with the revolt formerly known as the revival and Jim Ross great stuff so it was good to see Jim Ross back on to hear Jim Ross back on dynamite tonight good to see some pyro we had some look like a couple fans and it just had a great feel today man it seemed like a little bit more of a positive outlook tonight than it's been in recent weeks so we kick things off with Joey Janela taking on Cody for the first time ever, I believe. Great match. Joey Janela, I think, is incredibly talented. I think Janela has a lot of has great has a great style. I, you know, his style is more kind of a risk taking type of a style. Cody, of course, is great. Cody very technical. Cody very charismatic. And all that stuff. And this was a good match. This is a good match for two guys that I believe have not worked each other one-on-one -on -one before. So they went out there and they killed it. This was a great opener. Cody, of course, got the victory and stuff like that. And then we had, of course, the AEW Women's Champion Nyla Rose coming back. She beat a girl. I'm trying to remember the name of the girl, but apparently this girl was young. She was about 18 years old. So she's very, very young into the business. <laughs> and at 18, what a match. You taking on Nyla Rose. <laughs> So we had the match. It was basically a good old-fashioned squash. I liked the way that it was done. I liked how Nyla Rose delivered a senton off the top rope. That was pretty impressive to see a girl her size able to put a move like that. I think Nyla Rose puts fucking um, Nyla Rose puts Nia Jax to shame. <laughs> I'd rather take Nyla Rose, and I know you guys would probably agree with me. So we had a little squash. Before that, we did have a little pre-match interview. It was Tony Schiavone interviewing Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose basically was like, she's the most dominant female in the division. And she told Tony Schiavone to go sit his ass down, which was pretty funny. And he even said it too. He was like, she told me to come sit my ass down. So we had that. It was mainly just a squash. Good, good for Nyla Rose. And then we had, of course, a little stare down. She was staring down 
Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander who were there at ringside. The first time we're seeing them in a couple weeks. The last time we've seen Hikaru Shida was when she had that great match with Britt Baker. Britt Baker was out there as well. Penelope Ford was out there. But, of course, Nyla Rose only looking at the baby faces because, you know, eventually, you know, she might have another round with Chris Statlander. She might have a round with Hikaru Shida. Can't see her fighting Britt Baker or Penelope Ford just because they're heels, but you never know. Maybe they could do it. If done right, it could make sense. Heel, heel versus heel. Speaking of heels, we had the number one heel in the company, I think, MJF, with the, with the promo. MJF was seen. He was seen in the crowd, but then they cut to a promo that he had done, a pre-recorded promo, which looked pretty good. MJF, of course, will, will be back next week on Dynamite. MJF in his promo was very good. He was saying how people compare him to guys like Ric Flair, um, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and stuff like that. And MJF said he's the first and only MJF and stuff like that. MJF being his typical cocky self, which you got to enjoy. Speaking of that, MJF was with, was with Wardlow in the crowd. Of course, he had a little face mask. He even made a little joke about social distancing because he's MJF. We then had a backstage segment where we seen what was going to be lined up for tonight on Dynamite. Of course, we had Moxley, who was going to be taking on Frankie Kazarian of SCU. Matt Hardy was going to be making his debut, teaming up with, of course, Kenny Omega, taking on Jericho and Sammy Guevara, Las Sex Gods. And... We had quite a few. We had quite a few wrestlers in the crowd tonight, man. Quite a few, more than normal. So that's kind of a good sign. They were back live at Daly's place. They did have several pyros, which I enjoyed. You know, can't go wrong with the pyros. There was a promo from Brandy Rhodes. Brandy Rhodes cut a promo talking about basically how uh, Jake the Snake Roberts has talked about her several times in her promo, and she, it was basically one of those promos where she was saying. She won't be intimidated and stuff like that. Nice little promo from Brandy Rhodes. I know a lot of people don't really like Brandy's ability to act and stuff like that. People still think about the Dark Order. Oh, the Dark Order. Oh, my God. They still think about the Nightmare Collective. Sorry about that, guys. I just botched that shit. Um, so, basically, it was just a little promo segment for Brandy. You know, basically her sticking up for her family, saying she won't be, you know, intimidated and blah, blah, blah. And I th and by the way, I do have the name of the wrestler that Nyla Rose, that Nyla Rose squashed, Kenzie Page. Never heard of her, but I know she's pretty young, so she's only been in the business a couple years. I think they even said she's been in the business since she was sixteen years old. So she's been so she's been in the business for not that long. Okay, guys. Continuing, we also had. Let me see. Give me one sec, guys. Okay, we had, oh, MJF, of course, making a big announcement. He said he was going to be coming back to wrestling next week. He's, he's basically cleared of his injuries and all that stuff. I already went over that. Now let me see. All right. Now we had John Moxley, of course, AEW World Champion, taking on Frankie Kazarian, non-title match. This was a good match. Frankie Kazarian is very talented. We all know that. Not really known for his single styles, but he is extremely talented. 
I mean, he was a single star back in his early days, I think, in TNA. I know when he was in the X Division. And anytime you see Moxley, it's great. Moxley's the world champ. Moxley being back on the show was good. Moxley came out through the crowd. Typical Moxley coming in whenever he wants, however he wants. It was a good match. You know, just like Cody and Joey Janela, these guys have never worked each other before. So it was going to be interesting to see what they can do together. And they didn't disappoint. I liked the match. The match was about 16 minutes long. I did see some people saying that the match was too long for like a Frankie Kazarian. Personally, I think Frankie Kazarian is talented enough where he can go with just about anyone, and I felt like this was a good match. You know, the thing about AEW is that we do get a lot of matches that are just kind of thrown together last minute for whatever reason. And typically, like, I don't mind that, to be honest. Like, yeah, you know, I want the storytelling to be consistent, but at the same time, you know, it is nice to see good matches on television, on, you know, AEW TV, like for a TV match. So this match was pretty good. I really... I enjoyed how Moxley, of course, is very stiff. There was one part of the match where he delivered a forearm to Kazarian, and, and you could hear it, well, obviously, because there's not that many people around. Frankie Kazarian, of course, got a little frustrated, hit a couple good moves, hit an unprettier, which looked excellent, of course, taking shade, take shade out of Christian's book, Christian Cage, back in TNA, Christian, you know, we, we love Christian. Moxley came back, hit the paradigm shift, got the victory... After the match, we seen the Dark Order attack Moxley. The big Dark Order guy, I think his name is Ten, all tatted up, who just who we just seen make his uh, entering debut on AEW Dark. Pretty impressive. Don't know who's in the mask. Looks like Stu Grayson, even though Stu Grayson is, you know, Stu Grayson in the Dark Order. It kind of looked like Stu Grayson just from like the body type. And I haven't seen Evil Uno or Stu Grayson. Hmm. But anyways. SCU try to come out and help, of course, John Moxley. SCU and the Dark Order have been have been feuding for a while, but the numbers were too good. Scorpio Sky and Christopher Daniels tried to help as Moxley and Frankie Kazarian were getting beaten up, but mainly they were focusing on John Moxley in the ring and you know Frankie Kazarian outside. We then seen Brody Lee, the exalted one, making his presence. Brody Lee, of course, this was a build for I think AEW's. Double or nothing. Brody Lee, ever since he's come to AEW, I think he's been great. I think he's been given a chance to show what he can do. I think the stuff that he wanted to do, like, obviously in the WWE, he's able to do here. He's kind of his own person. I think he's been really good. Of course, his constant, you know, obviously parodies of Vince McMahon. I honestly feel like they have to kind of... Just saying, you know, just an opinion, because this is an opinion show, you know, and we can say what we feel on here. It is it is Drew unscripted after all. I'm kind of thinking, okay, you know, they've done it once, they've done it for a couple weeks now. They've had Brody Lee constantly, you know, do the Vince McMahon thing, Vince McMahon, you know, this and that. But I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see what Brody can do as Brody. Like, when he's not trying to do the Vince McMahon stuff, like when he's just cutting a promo on his opponents. And we kind of got that tonight. He cut a promo on John Moxley. Of course, he attacked Moxley. There's history because if you guys remember Moxley when he was Dean Ambrose, Brody Lee when he was Luke Harper, they wrestled each other several times, especially in 2015 in the WWE. Of course, when Moxley was a member of the Shield and Brody was with the Wyatt family, we got matches there. So obviously, these guys have great chemistry and I don't know who's going to be able to remember all the matches they had in WWE because they've had several and it was a couple years ago but 
I remember it enough to know that these guys have had great entering chemistry in the past. And imagine how good it can be now, now that they're in w now that they're out of WWE, I should say, and now that they're in AEW, now that they, you know for a fact, they'll get the chance to go out there and just, you know, have a classic. I'm curious to see what they're going to do. You know what I mean? I'm, I really am. I'm curious to see what they're going to do, but it looks like this is the direction we're getting. We're going to get Moxley and Brody Lee at double or nothing. Brody Lee made it clear that he wants the AEW World Championship, and he even threw a line in there about Moxley not having a father. I know you're pain, Mox. So you got to love that, man. You got to love that promo work of Brody Lee. That goes back to what I'm saying. Now he's cutting a promo about his opponent, so you got to enjoy that. Moxley, of course, had one cool moment in the, in the spot where he got on the mic and he was saying, Dude, if you wanted a championship match, all you had to do was ask. <laughs> so, so I thought that was pretty clever. And then, of course, Brody kicks him with the big boot, and that was the end of the segment. I think Brody and Moxley, I think the promo work is going to be pretty good. I think Moxley, you know, a guy like him can stand up to the Dark Order, and he won't, you know. I could see SEU kind of like maybe tagging with Moxley, like maybe next week or the week after we'll get like a six-man tag, or we'll get like an eight-man tag maybe. We'll get like Brody Lee and three other members of Dark Order taking on, of course, Moxley and SCU. I think that could be very fun. But obviously, this is your championship match for Big Platinum. That's what they call the AEW World Championship there, which I dig. I mean, I know, I know from NWA Power, Nick Aldis has his name. What does he call it? Charlotte or Good Charlotte or something like that? Not Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Who, by the way, I will be getting into on this show because once we get to the NXT portion, I will be talking about her. Of course, her defending her NXT championship against Io Shirai. And believe me, I will be talking about that. But nonetheless, guys, I think the promo work between Moxley and Brody Lee could be good. I think if booked right, and I think AEW has a vision for it, I think they figure, okay. Now look, one complaint about this is that it kind of feels like it is a little too soon for a match like this. Only because Brody Lee is so fresh on the scene for AEW. He's been booked great. He's been undefeated. Moxley has been excellent since he's came to AEW. He's been he's been booked as strong as he can be booked. And quite frankly, like I just don't think they would take the title from Moxley that quick. I would hope they wouldn't. Just because I, I feel like he just won the belt. And it's kind of like, well... See, this is a match I'm thinking. Like you figure, and I was talking about this earlier with one with one of my with uh, my wrestling buddy George. Shout out, shout out to George, who will be coming back to the show shortly, guys. He's just he's just been kind of juggling with you know his job and stuff like that because obviously he's still working, you know, so he's juggling with the job and quarantine and stuff like that. But one point that I had made to him was I was like, okay, so if we're gonna get this now, we're gonna get Moxley and we're gonna get Brody. You figure Moxley, now look, it's not totally impossible for Moxley to lose the championship because there's been champions, and I was just talking about this with another buddy, there's been champions that have lost their championships like that. I mean, my God, in WWE, it seems like the quicker someone wins a championship, the faster they lose it. Not to say WWE is, you know, not to say AEW is going to have the same problem as WWE, but, you know, you never know. So you figure you can't take the title off Moxley yet. Because he hasn't really done nothing with it. I mean, he's had one title defense. And that was against Jake Hager. And 
you really don't want to make Brody lose this quick. So I figure, yeah, they could do a DQ where maybe Brody Lee beats Moxley so bad that Moxley is, una is unable to continue. I mean, that could be a possibility. I could see them doing that, you know, if that match is not going to main event, which it should because it's a championship match. It's the main event. But, you know, anything else can main event. But still, it's the championship match. So it's kind of like, did AEW book themselves in kind of a bad way here? I don't know. I mean... Because you figure, is Moxley going to lose the championship already? I kind of doubt AEW would do that just because I feel like Moxley, you know, he is your, you know, he's your babyface champion. You know, he's obviously over with the crowd. Everybody likes Moxley and stuff like that. The only guy that I think could be just as an over champion, just as Moxley, would be Kenny Omega. When, you know, in the future when Kenny Omega becomes the AEW World Champion. Because you know it's going to happen. Does Kenny Omega necessarily need it? No, he doesn't. But, you know, you never know. But that's what I'm saying about having like a top babyface as, as World Champion. Yeah, Jericho had the belt and Jericho was excellent with the belt. He had some great matches, I think, with Cody and, of course, uh, Scorpio Sky. But the question is, are they going to take the belt off Boxley this quickly? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I really don't know how you call this one. I mean, it's a little too early to say because we still have a while till we get to, you know, AEW Double or Nothing 2. That's what I call it, Double or Nothing 2. But very interesting to see. Very interesting to see what they're going to do with it. But obviously this was a great segment. Um, Moxley and Brody Lee for the championship. I think it's going to be a great match. As far as who wins, I really don't think either guy can be can be forced to lose depending on how they do it so it's kind of a hard it's a hard match to predict i'll be honest with you guys and then we had lance archer taking on qt marshall of course from the natural from of course with you know dustin Rhodes, and obviously last week the motor hawk the monster hawk whatever he calls himself what is the monster hawk lance archer obviously destroyed dustin Rhodes last week so QT Marshall was trying to get some payback. QT Marshall is very talented, I think. You know, he's he's got some good stuff on him. Lance Archer, of course, like I said, I have a lot of I have a lot of respect for Lance Archer's ability now. Ever since he did that old school like slash Undertaker slash Moonsault off the fucking top rope. And I liked the way that he was booked last week. This was basically another match for him to dominate in. But the story is what happened after the match. So, we had, of course, we had, of course, Lance Archer, of course, getting the victory. He defeated QT Marshall. Britt Baker got, got involved, as she did last week with Cody and Darby. Was it Cody and Darby? Yeah, it was Cody and Darby. She got involved. She hit QT Marshall with the shoe. Brandy Rose got her. Brandy Rose threw her shoe. Britt Baker attacked Brandy Rhodes at ringside, hitting her with a DDT. Got her back into the ring. Jake the Snake Roberts came out. QT Marshall, by the way, was defeated by Lance Archer. Lance Archer got the victory. Hit the blackout. Pounding QT's head into the ring mat. Got the win. Pounding his match. Pounding his head into the canvas, as Vince McMahon would say. So we had Jake the Snake Roberts coming out. And Jake the Snake freaking put the snake right onto Brandy Rhodes. 
This was incredible, man. This was great to see Jake the Snake in 2020 bringing up. I'm I'm assuming it's not Damien. It's maybe Damien's nephew or something like that. But literally, unless I don't think it's Damien, literally put the snake right onto Brandy Rhodes. Of course, there was a moment where I thought Lance Archer was going to hit like a move on, uh, on Brandy, which would have been pretty good to see. So much respect for Brandy if she would have gone through with that. But I got respect for her for going through with this, man. You couldn't pay me enough to let a fucking snake crawl all over me or be used to me. But obviously, Jake the Snake doing what, what he's what he does. That's Jake the Snake for you, man. He puts the he puts a snake on you. He puts the big ass fucking snake on you, and that's what he did. So this was great. This was fantastic. Cody did not make the save, which I was kind of like, where the hell is Cody? But then I heard somebody say, I think it was Excalibur saying that. Cody was far away from where the main stage was, which I don't know why he would be, just because you figure in storyline, Cody wants to get a closer look at Lance Archer more than he has, I don't know, he's not looking to beat up Lance Archer, no idea, but this was great man, I loved the snake segment, I loved Jake the Snake putting the snake on Brandy, you know, seeing Jake the Snake do that after all these years has been incredible, you know, hearing Jake the Snake cut promos, like he has has been great. The guy hasn't lost a beat. One of the best promo cutters currently. And it was incredible to see the snake on Brandy, man. Shout out to Brandy for taking that spot, man. Shout out to Jake the Snake for being there. For all the guys, all the old timers that were there today, man. Shout out to all of them. And then we had our main event. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Last Sex Gods representing the Inner Circle. Taking on Broken Matt Hardy. Or Broken Matt Hardy, if you will. And Kenny Omega, one half of the AEW World Tag Team Champions. Representing the Elite. So I guess you could say Matt Hardy representing the Elite. This match was incredible, man. This was exactly the way... And I'm going to use Bubba Ray Dudley as an example. Because there's a, there's a video that I have where Bubba Ray Dudley describes... When Brock Lesnar faced The Rock as a roller coaster... And I'm going to use that for this one, man. This match was a roller coaster. It was literally fucking going everywhere. This is exactly what a roller coaster was supposed to be. It was supposed to be incredible. Just like Bully Ray says, this is exactly what a roller coaster is supposed to fucking be. Matt Hardy hit a splash off the ladder. Hit like a body splash off the ladder. Like a crossbody off the ladder. I think it was onto Sammy Guevara. Um... Chris Jericho came out. Of, well, Jericho and Guevara had Jake Hager in their corner. Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega were taking the fight. Omega hit a trash can on Jake Hager Jer and also on Jericho. He then smashed Jericho into a golf cart, which was pretty funny. They took the fight backstage, which was always great to see. Sammy Guevara, of course, would attack Omega, hitting him with the trash can as well, sending him face first into an ATM machine. Throughout the match, we had Matt Hardy changing from close to close. One minute, he was regular Matt Hardy. Then he was broken Matt Hardy. Then he was that new... Oh, I'm trying to think of the new name that he has. You know what, guys? Let me go ahead and look that up. I have to see the new name that Matt Hardy goes by. The new nickname that he has. Let me see. Let me go ahead and see. See right here. I'm trying to hmm. I could have sworn I had it right here. 
Let me see. I had it right here in my notes, guys. Sorry, technical difficulties. Uh, this is embarrassing. Unfortunately, I cannot find the new name that Matt Hardy is going by. But I'll say this. Matt Hardy came out of an ice chat. Well, kind of like out of a, I guess you could say like a mini, like a freezer, if you can believe that. And he was the current new version of Broken Matt Hardy. I'll just say that. And there was even one part where he was driving the golf cart and he ran over Jericho. He ran over Sammy Guevara, which looked nasty. Omega was with him. Jake Hager would try to get back involved. Kenny Omega hit a crazy looking moonsault, which looked very bad. He was on top of like this, this like machine, this like, what was it? It was like some kind of a, it was like one of those machines where you press the, where you like press the button and it makes you go like as if you're cleaning a big building and he hit like a nasty looking moonsault, a beautiful looking moonsault, by the way. One of those spots where you watch it and you're just like, holy crap, did he really just do that? But just when it looked like they were going to put, I think it was Sammy G through a table, the rest of the inner circle came out. Proud and Powerful came out. Santana Ortiz also returning to Dynamite tonight. One of the best tag teams around, Santana and Ortiz. You know, I've seen them kill it several times in matches. Obviously, we've, we've all seen that. They were actually at a couple of my shows a couple of times at Bar Wrestling. I didn't get to see them live because that was before I started going, unfortunately. But obviously great to see Santana and Ortiz back. Jericho hit the Judas Effect on Kenny Omega for the win after Matt Hardy was triple powerbombed by the Inner Circle like they did on Moxley. Once again, channeling their Inner Shield. Matt Hardy went through a table. Jericho, like I said, hit the Judas effects on Kenny Omega, and Jericho gets the victory, and the Inner Circle gets the victory. Great stuff. Great match. Great episode of Dynamite, guys. That's how Dynamite went off the air. Great stuff. Highlights of the night, obviously, I gotta say was Cody and Janela, Moxley and Kazarian, Moxley and Luke Harper's build is gonna be great. Nyla Rose looked look good in that short, like, squash match. And, the, and, of course, the Jake the Snake Roberts putting the snake on Brandy was excellent. And the main event was, was incredible, man. Jericho, Guevara, Omega, and Matt Hardy. Great stuff. Great street fight. Obviously, we're getting our build for Double or Nothing, which I love. And I'm actually about to sneeze, guys. Give me one sec. Ah, Alright, guys. Excuse me for that. But like I said, great episode of Dynamite, guys. Before I get into NXT real quick, give me one sec, guys. I am going to be back after a quick break. Give me one sec, guys, real quick. Give me one sec. Just kidding. I don't go on, I don't go on any breaks. Through unscripted does not believe in breaks, guys. So now let's get into NXT. Obviously, just like Dynamite, this show was obviously worth the wait. We had, of course, kicking off with Johnny Gargano, new theme song, new attitude, the Johnny Gargano way, etc. Taking on Diamond Dominic Dijakovic. This match was great. Johnny Gargano 
you know, now with the new the new heel persona as well as Candice LeRae. Love it so far. I like what they're doing. Dijakovic is great. Now it looks like instead of the Gargano escape or that other move that he does where it's like it's like a full Nelson. Now he's now he's hitting that DV, that DDT like a springboard DDT, which he calls like what does he call it? I think he calls it the final beats or whatever. Look good. You know, Dijakovic sold it pretty good. Johnny Gargano, of course, got the win. Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae are now heels, obviously. They want to rebuild NXT. Interesting to see Johnny Gargano booked this way as a heel. Same for Candice, but I guess it's working so far. We then had, of course, we had another match in the interim Cruiserweight Tournament. We had, of course, Tozawa taking on... Akira Tozawa, sorry about that guys. Shout out to Akira Tozawa. Taking on, of course, gentleman Jack Gallagher. Gallagher, not a gentleman no more. Great match. Not much to say about it. Just a continuation of the tournament going forward. Tozawa got the victory again after the match. Like they've been doing the people in the in this cruiserweight tournament. They get to cut these promos. Great promo from Tozawa. You know, for a guy like Tozawa, great promo for him. And then we had guys, uh, where do I start guys, oh my god, we had the debut, entering debut of Killer Cross, now of course going by Karrion Cross, him and Scarlet Bordeaux, now simply Scarlet, this was freaking fantastic man, this was so real, this was incredible, this was a great entrance, so happy for Killer Cross and Scarlet. This entrance was like it was black and white. You had Scarlet kind of obviously lip syncing, but it looked so epic. Killer Cross looked like a beast, and he faced off real quick against Leon Ruff, who reminds me a lot of Leo Rush. And basically, fucking Cross hit two. Doomsday Sayudo back suplexes. Am I saying it right? Sayudo suplexes. Then he got the cross jacket submission hold. Quick quick victory. Freaking Tom Phillips had this one line which I liked where he said, Killer Cross is the devil. What has NXT let in? I love it, man. I loved the entrance. So fucking incredible. Killer Cross, like I said, is an amazing guy. I have... Like I said, I've met him several times, like I've said on the show, at my regular shows that I go to, Bar Wrestling and stuff like that. Shout out to Bar Wrestling. Miss you guys. Can't wait to go back and see all my homies there and see all the talent there. But I am so happy for Killer Cross, man. This guy is going to be a great star. This guy has everything it takes to be a star. And I love the pr the presentation of him and Scarlet. It's like a darker version of Killer Cross, if if possible. The name Carrion Cross, I think, can work out because the meaning of it's pretty cool. I wonder how much influence this was of Killer Cross because I know Killer Cross is a very he's a very you know creative guy, which I really respect. Scarlet looks incredible with this. I loved the presenta the presentation of both Scarlet and cross and i'm telling you man they are gonna be a great force a great force in the entire wwe especially in nxt and i was actually talking to my buddy earlier me and my buddy were speaking shout out to brian one of my wrestling buddies and he was saying that you know 
from what he's heard, Killer Cross has kind of a unique deal with NXT. It's kind of a fast-paced deal where we could see Killer Cross on the main roster in like six months. And to be quite honest, I did hear that he, he that he was going to have that kind of a deal again. Vince looks at Killer Cross, and who knows what Vince is going to think. Vince is going to love him, I, I think. I mean, he's obviously going to love Scarlet. But you know Triple H is looking at Killer Cross, and Triple H is like, oh, man, this guy is going to be a fucking star, and he definitely will be, man. A guy like Cross, just let him do his thing. Let him be himself. I know in the WWE, they obviously come up with your stuff. But a guy like Killer Cross, man, I have so much faith in Triple H. I know Triple H is going to let Killer Cross be Cross. And I'm digging that, man. I mean, we've seen him let Jake Atlas be Jake Atlas. I mean, I've seen Jake Atlas be like that at my wrestling shows. And I have a feeling Triple H is going to let Cross be Cross because he knows the value of Cross. He knows Cross, you know, the stuff he puts into his character. And this is incredible, man. I loved the debut. The fucking music was inc- was epic. Just imagine how this entrance alone will be like at a TakeOver or at a future WrestleMania or at a SummerSlam even. You know? Ah. Cheers to Killer Cross and Scarlet. Excellent stuff. So happy for the both of them, man. So incredibly happy. I actually DM'd Killer Cross and I just said, Hey man, I'm so I'm so happy for you, man. It's great to see you where you're at now. You deserve this, man, and now the fans and the whole world get to see what you can really do. And I know you will not disappoint, man. So shout out to Killer Cross, guys. This was excellent. Him and Scarlet should should be very proud of themselves. And I think what comes in the future, we ain't seen nothing yet, man. It's going to get better and better. Knowing Killer Cross, it's going to be fucking incredible. All right, guys. Next, we had our NXT Women's Championship match. Io Shirai challenging Charlotte Flair. This match, like I expected, was a great match. Io Shirai is extremely talented. Charlotte Flair, of course, is Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair began working Io Shirai. Io Shirai kept on fighting back. This was this was kind of a, of a back-and-forth match. Io Shirai went for a moonsault on the outside, but Charlotte... we And we had a repeat, guys. We had a repeat of Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. Why do you say that, Drew? Well, because fucking Charlotte Flair got disqualified, and she hit Io Shirai with a kendo stick. She couldn't beat her, so she hits her with a kendo stick. Wow. And you know what? My buddy, who's a big Io Shirai fan, who was very worried about this match, I told him, I said, look, at least Charlotte didn't beat him. At least Charlotte didn't beat her. At least Charlotte Flair did not beat Io Shirai. You know, she got disqualified because she couldn't beat her. She got disqualified. So in a way, it keeps Io Shirai kind of looking strong. Io Shirai... Of course, you know, did not tap out. How could she? Because Charlotte Flair used the illegal weapon. She tried to dominate Io Shirai's legs. It looked like she was going to go for like a figure four. I thought, I don't know what she was going to do. I don't know if she was going to try for a figure four or she was going to kick the stairs into Io Shirai's legs or whatever. Kind of like when Vince got his leg broken by, of course, Undertaker and Kane. Fun little throwback for you guys right there. But then... Who made the save? It wasn't a bird. It wasn't a fly. It was the nightmare Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley is back. Of course, this is the first time we've seen Rhea Ripley or heard from her since WrestleMania. Well, I mean, she did do that little backstage interview after WrestleMania, but that was 
already seems like a long time ago. Anyways, of course, Rhea Ripley comes back, starts beating up Charlotte, gets Charlotte back in the ring. Charlotte Flair leaves. Rhea Ripley is just looking at her intense. Of course, Rhea Ripley wants a rematch, you can tell. And she might get it. Maybe she'll get it in a couple weeks from now. No idea. Maybe once they start building up a takeover again, maybe this will be a triple threat. And the reason I say that is because Io Shirai looked pissed. She literally got into Rhea Ripley's face, like as if Rhea Ripley caused the disqualification. But I think Io Shirai, is just, and her character, is she doesn't care who you are. She's going to get in your face and talk in her language, which is incredible to see. Because, you know, we see somebody, obviously, like Asuka killing it. I don't know if Io Shirai is a babyface. I think she's a, I think she's an in-betweener. I think she's I think she's kind of a... She's kind of a blur, I think. She's kind of a tweener, to be honest with you. I mean, because I, th I think, you know, the plan was, okay, we want to have EO and Charlotte Flair, so we're going to have EO work as the babyface in this match, but kind of still have that attitude, and now we're going to have her be a bit of a tweener. So I don't know, maybe she'll be a full-time babyface, maybe she'll be a tweener, maybe she'll be a heel next week. We'll have to wait and see. Backstage, there was a segment with Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley was very angry, said that she's back, said that Charlotte Flair did beat her. But that was one night. That was one match. Io Shirai immediately went up to Rhea Ripley and started talking shit. This led to a fight. Don't know if this means we're going to get Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai in a feud now. I can easily see this being a triple threat because I feel like Io Shirai is not just going to back off. Or maybe you'll have Rhea Ripley beat Charlotte Flair and then we get Rhea and Io Shirai. No idea. And then we had, of course, we had a backstage segment with Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher, the NXT Tag Team Champions. Of course, Matt Riddle, Timothy Thatcher is, of course, babysitting while Pete Dunne is not around. Timothy Thatcher is excellent, I think. We had them talking about the, the Imperium and basically saying that they're not going to back down and they will take the fight. Timothy Thatcher was like, you make them tap out, I'll knock them out. Or you knock them out and I'll tap them out or something like that. Matt Riddle, of course, is like, bro. And he was very happy with it. Speaking of that, we did have a segment with Fabian Aikner and Daniel Berthar. Or Danny Berthar, I think that's his name, from Imperium. Challenging Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher, which, of course, is actually made official for next week. So next week, we're going to get a match for the NXT Tag Team Championships. We're going to get Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. Thatcher taking on Imperium, which should be excellent. And then we had Cameron Grimes and a squash match, which was very quick, which was like a second. We had Finn Balor coming out. Finn Balor was talking about the man who attacked him, didn't reveal who, didn't know who it was. I thought it was going to be Cross, to be honest with you, but it makes no sense because I think Cross is obviously going to feud with Tommaso Ciampa. But Balor came out, basically said whoever attacked him is going to deal with the Prince. But this leads to that Cameron Grimes match because we had Cameron Grimes, I guess, talk about, about Balor after he got the victory. Balor got in his face. They had a little bit of a brawl. That match is actually made official for next week too. Finn Balor taking on Cameron Grimes, which should be which should be fun. I don't know who attacked Finn Balor. I'm, I thought at first it might have been Cross, but I'm assuming it's going to be Walter. And the only reason why I thought it was Cross was because I feel like while well, Cross is attacking random people, most likely, you know. And also I figured, well, maybe, maybe, um, maybe Pete Dunn is well, not Pete Dunn. Maybe Walter is not able to travel. Maybe he doesn't live in Orlando, Florida. So, after that, we had, of course, our, we had, 
Jake Atlas taking on Kushida, another match in the interim cruiserweight tournament. Good match. Kushida got the victory, cut a promo after the match. And then we had, of course, Chelsea Green facing Zia Lee. Chelsea Green got the victory after Leah attacked, well, distracted Zia Lee. Of course, they had a little bit of a rivalry. Going all the way back to when Zia Lee actually broke the nose of Aaliyah. Haven't seen Aaliyah's partner, though. Uh, what was her name? Vanessa Bourne. Don't know what happened with her. But there was even a little tease that maybe Aaliyah is going to be brought into the Robert Stone brand. Of course, Robert Stone, formerly Robbie E. That's, that's what I call him. Chelsea Green got the victory. Chelsea Green is an incredible athlete. She looked good. Zia Lee trains like a mother. She looked good, too. But in the end, Chelsea Green got the victory. Now let's talk about our main event, guys. NXT Championship, Adam Cole defending against the Velveteen Dream. This was obviously going to be an interesting match because of what's been going on with the Velveteen Dream. Match was, I kind of thought, I was like, okay, so this match was going on. There was like 10 minutes left, so I'm like, oh, they're going to give these guys 10 minutes. Didn't know if there was going to be a screwy finish. Didn't know if we were going to get a new champion. Don't know what was going to happen based on the allegations. But like I told one of my buddies, I said, you know what? Do you really think if the WWE thought that the Velveteen Dream was at all guilty, do you really think they would have him on the show? Because let's be honest, WWE is a company at the end of the day, and they may, and they obviously must like Patrick Clark. They understand he's a great star. He's becoming a big star, even bigger star. But they don't want nothing to do with this stuff. They're a company. I mean, come on. Remember when Chris Benoit did what he did to his family? You know, they had to let Chris Benoit go in terms of, like, what he's done. It's because they, they're a company. They don't want, you know, they don't want to deal with that. But I thought to myself, well, they must have, like, at least a bit of confidence that, they must have, like, a bit of confidence that maybe Velveteen Dream didn't do this. Like, maybe Triple H is saying, you know what, it's a sticky situation, it's a bad situation, and it's a situation that even if you are innocent, it's it can stay with you forever because it's like, it doesn't stop people from talking. You know, but the problem is, you know, it used to be you're innocent until proven guilty. Now it's like you're guilty until proven innocent. And who knows what the dream was feeling about Teen Dream. I don't know. You know, I've talked about this a couple of times already on past episodes of the podcast. I said, you know what? I even did one of these with uh, my buddy Baby Cop on another episode of The Shoot Sesh. And we were just like, you know what? Well, we hope it's not true. Obviously, we hope it's not true. But at the same time, you know, this could obviously affect the Velveteen Dream mentally and physically. And we hope that's not the case. But this match was good. Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream have great chemistry. Adam Cole, of course, didn't know if he was going to retain, didn't know if he was going to lose. But obviously, we had Cole getting the victory. Adam Cole did retain after the Undisputed Era got involved. But Dexter Loomis came out of the ring right as the right as uh who was it Bobby Fish, and because uh, I haven't seen Kylo already. Maybe Kylo was back. I didn't see Kyle. I mean, so we had Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong trying to go to the ring to distract them. All of a sudden, from under the ring, Dexter Loomis was walking around on his hands like he does incredibly. There was one part of the match where the Velveteen Dream had Adam Cole beat, but the referee had got taken out after Dexter Loomis tagged the referee by throwing, I think it was Roderick Strong, onto the referee. Velveteen Dream hit the last shot, retains the championship. Velveteen, uh, I'm sorry, Adam Cole hits the last shot, retains the championship. Good match between these two. Velveteen Dream unsuccessful. Adam Cole retains after hitting the last shot. 
And that's how NXT went off the air, guys. So I don't know if they're done with this feud. Maybe they are going to have another match between these two guys. Hopefully things for the Velveteen Dream are... Hopefully they do kind of get a little more positive. Because, you know, what's going on, it is crazy. But, you know, who knows what happened, man. Like I said, only the only people that know what happened is God and the Velveteen Dream. You know what I mean? And also that, that supposed accuser. But this map, that supposed, what is she, like 15, 16, 14, whatever they're saying that they are. But it's, I don't know, it still seems like a fishy situation. A lot of situations like this are fishy, you know, so I don't know. But again, that's besides the point. He was on NXT tonight. He didn't get the win. Maybe, maybe the plan was always for Adam Cole to retain. I don't know. Or maybe, or maybe, just maybe, they feel like, well, you know what? We still want to have you wrestle, but we we don't want to give you the belt. Which kind of doesn't make sense, because it's like, well, if they felt that the Velveteen Dream was, you know did this did did these horrible things then maybe just maybe we're not gonna have him on the card but i think triple h has a bit of confidence that he knows patrick clark and he knows that velveteen dream is not that dumb it's not that crazy in the head to do something like that but like i said this was a good match this was a very good episode of nxt very great episode of both shows dynamite and nxt obviously for me the highlights of nxt is just one thing kill across's debut man that's it this was a, an incredible entrance and both shows were great, man. So, for next week on AEW Dynamite, guys, it is going to be a match between Brody Lee and Christopher Daniels, the Exalted One versus the Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels, a Fatal 4-Way number 1's contender match determining Nyla Rose's next challenger at Double or Nothing. You'll have uh, Chris Statlander taking on Britt Baker, taking on Hikaru Shida, taking on Penelope Ford, the bad girl Penelope Ford, which I'm sure Super Bad Kip Sabian will be right there with her. We're going to have Jericho in action. Don't know who. Should be fun. We're also going to have MJF returning to the ring. Should be fun. So AW, AW next week looking pretty good. Jurassic Express is going to be re is going to be returning. Don't know. I forgot who they're going to be working. I have to double check on that one. And for NXT, we're going to have, of course, Finn Balor taking on Cameron Grimes. We're going to have, of course, uh, the NXT Tag Team Championships on the line. You know... Timothy Thatcher, Matt Riddle taking on the Undisputed Era for the Tag Team Championships. So overall, guys, great shows for both Dynamite and NXT. Killer Cross is here. I am so excited for him. Dynamite was excellent as always. Matt Hardy, Kenny Omega, Jericho, and Sammy Guevara put on a classic for being, you know, for being a no-holds-barred match, a street fight, whatever you want to call it. With that being said, guys, I am going to get out of here. You guys are incredible. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. You know, share it, you know, tell your friends, follow me on Instagram at Drew underscore Villain 96. Of course, it's always optional, guys. You guys are incredible. I will be back this Saturday. I will be back Friday for SmackDown, and then I will be back Saturday because it is my birthday, and I will come on here to talk to you guys for a couple minutes. And then, we, of course, we got money in the bank. But tomorrow, I am actually going to be doing a video tomorrow. I am going to be doing money in the bank preview and predictions so it should be fun guys so a couple videos coming up guys with that being said again that is going to be money in the bank preview and predictions tomorrow friday will be of course friday night smackdown review i kind of wanted to do them together but what the hell i'll do a show tomorrow for you guys because you guys are incredible saturday I'll, i will come on here to talk to you guys it will be on my birthday and then we got money in the bank pay-per-view on sunday so a busy couple days for drew unscripted guys i'm looking forward to it you guys are incredible stay safe guys i love you guys and don't forget guys keep yourselves positive man peace